Welcome to Mad Influence. Before we start today, I just want to quickly say thank you so much to all the new listeners. And if you have been enjoying the episode so far, if you can leave a quick review and rate the podcast, it will really help it to grow. This is a podcast about how the marketing industry uses its influence on society. We all know that marketers can have a bad rep. Let's be honest, we're one of the least trusted professions in the world, ranking somewhere alongside politicians and journalists at the bottom of every poll from the last few years. But what about the people who use their positions of influence to spread positive messages, entertain the world or inspire social change? I'm Helen Saul, I work in brand marketing, and I'm hosting this podcast so that I can speak to some of these people about our role in influencing culture and investigate how we can all use our power more for good. Today's guest is Jack Parsons, award-winning entrepreneur, public speaker, mental health ambassador and the UK's chief youth officer. As CEO of the youth group, he has pledged to support millions of young people worldwide into meaningful employment. Jack is the perfect person to understand the needs and fears of young people after being dismissed by careers advisors and bullied by his peers when he was younger. Today people go to him for advice and when he featured on a BBC series helping young people get into work, Stacey Dooley said he was so impressive, anything he can tell you it's worth listening to. Naturally he's also picked up a host of awards ranging from Young Digital Leader of the Year to one of the 50 top kindest leaders. Recently, Jack founded the Free Mentor Me service, which matches youth with mentors in the industry, including high profile CMOs and presidents of big brands like Spotify, Lionsgate and Honda. He has featured in Forbes, been interviewed by BBC News, ITV and Sky and met with government leaders like Dominic Raab and Sadiq Khan to push forward his mission to improve the odds of young people. In his own words, Young people are feeling disillusioned, disheartened and disconnected. So it's more important than ever to connect young people to meaningful work-life opportunities. Well, thank you so much for joining today, Jack. I'm really happy to have you here. I'm sure you are a very busy man, so I really appreciate your time. Oh, thank you. And uh, I took a moment when you was doing the introduction. The only reason Stacey Dooley said I was amazing is because I shared that my sushi with her. No, but it's, it's absolutely a pleasure to speak to you today. And I'm really excited to see where this goes and what we talk about. I think probably a good place to start would be about your motivation and what it is that really drives you to do what you do today. Is there a particular thing that you think means you're so invested in helping young people? Is it something from your own personal experiences? I believe if you're going to do something bold, big, with a big mission to change people's lives, you have to be in it 100%. I call it the duvet flip. What gets you out of bed in the morning to flip that duvet to say, yes, we're on a mission, we're ready to go, and I believe what I'm going to do, because there's going to be dan dates. And yes, it is personal. This is personal to me. I grew up in a council estate. My mum was an alcoholic. I had no career opportunities. And every time I tried and tried and tried, there was another barrier, whether that was going three nights a week without dinner, whether that was being bullied in school, or whether that's being looked down on. And when you reflect, you look around you and you go, wow, I'm not the only one. There is others 
that actually go for a lot worse. So we all have a role to play to actually make a difference. So that's why it's so important to me on what I do. That makes a lot of sense. And you've described some really personal reasons there. I wonder, how did you go from that really difficult situation for a number of reasons to where you are today? Was there someone eventually who you felt was either mentoring you or reaching out to you? Was it a a realisation you came to on your own that you built your own self-belief? I'm a big believer that there is always people in your journey that help you, even if you don't know they've helped you. People in industry, in education, in my life of growing what I've grown has come and helped me Pass me the shovel so I can dig the pathways for youth. So absolutely, even people who may be listening who are not fans because you can't you can't please everyone. uh, They've helped me as well. The ones that have said, Jack, you can't do this or you're never going to be able to achieve that goal. They've helped me along the journey as well. So definitely people have supported. But it has come from my art. It's come from the passion to not give up, the resilience to say, you know what, I can do this. I can't do it alone and I'm going to need smarter and cleverer people around me. But if I can bring those people together, we can achieve absolutely anything. And you really have. You've achieved a lot, as I read out in your introduction. I know that something that you talk about a lot is the importance of kindness and you won an award for being one of the kindest leaders is that again something that stems from your own experiences and like you say people haven't always been nice to you so is it important that you are treating other people with respect and empathy and making sure that you're a positive influence kindness is so so underrated more of us have to do it I, I grew up never being loved. My mum was mentally ill. She used to whack me over the back with a frying pan when she got frustrated. I become a young carer and I'd never really had a real sense of love or kindness in my life. And I believe it costs nothing to be kind in the world. And people can be kind in different ways. And I believe everyone has a role to play. So kindness is something that needs to come from within. It can't be a tick box. And you have to treat people with respect, no matter what they believe in, who they are, what they look like, or what they want to achieve in life. And I think one of my fundamental successes And success comes in all different shapes and sizes. Let's not confuse fast cars and airplanes for success. It's the understanding on how far you can go if you're actually genuinely kind to people. I mean, you've proven that with how far you have gone. You really are doing such a lot of different things. And I wondered if you can maybe give a bit of a flavour because, you know, you are a CEO that's running a very successful business. You are having meetings with people like Sadiq Khan. You are setting up a really important mentor programme. On a day-to-day basis, how would you describe your job? 
I'm an operator. I don't see myself as the CEO. Yes, I have a team and there's infrastructure and I have smarter people behind the scenes. Yeah, I'm just a puppet on the string, <laughs> really. Um, there's smarter people, young people in my organisation. And we've got a team of over 155, uh, 55 full-time employees and their ex, um, kind of freelance gig, gig economy that come in and 1,500 ambassadors across the country. And... I believe my job is to provide the tools so individuals inside and outside the organization can achieve more and do what they want to do. And you have to always remember where you come from in everything you do. Yes, on Christmas Day, I got a Merry Christmas from the Deputy Prime Minister of the UK, Dominic Rubb, because we talk on a regular basis. And in that moment, I was like, wow, look how far you've come. And, and then I realised, actually, Jack, that's cool. But what I really preferred is a Merry Christmas from my dad or from my mum. And I didn't get one. So my day is very, very different. I spend two hours of my day without foul to meet a new young person in our community. We have a community of 1.7 million young people. And I love what I do on the ground in terms of speaking to young people, especially at the moment in the pandemic. But even though my diary gets filled with 16, 17, 18 meetings of a, a day, I really sit back at the end of the day and reflect to think, have I done enough? And I've only in the last probably six days have actually come to the term is Jack, you're not Superman. You have bad days. Sometimes, even though how passionate and ambitious I am and a lot of energy is sometimes all I want to do is get an hot water bottle crawl up in bed, binge watch Netflix and cry over nothing. And you know what? I've come to terms. That is OK, because we're human and don't try and be something you're not. I think that is great to hear. And also, I thought it was really powerful as well when you were explaining about the Christmas card and to an outsider that someone might think, oh, you are super successful and all of these things are going on and maybe a lot of people might envy your life with good reason but then at the same time you also spoke about the fact that there are things that you find are missing for you as well and I wondered is it something that is really important to you to share this with other people I've seen that you've been quite vocal about your mental health struggles is that a deliberate decision because you want to let other people know that it's okay? Absolutely. And my message to anyone is take inspiration, but don't compare. I live in a multi-million pound apartment opposite Westminster on the River Thames with a swimming pool. And sometimes I feel the most loneliest person and I'd give it all up to live in a caravan for some love and some care from family. So actually, we all have a different pathway and nothing is ever a pretty picture. I share my, around my mental health and I try and be as authentic in it can be because so much is filtered in marketing world. 
we've created tools where things can be filtered and the pretty picture. But why do you see the skinny person in trainers on the advert? Why do you see the pretty photo? I use Colgate to brush my teeth every day. They're quite straight now, but they didn't used to be. The everyday person without perfect veneers use Colgate. The average person who goes running every day is not the most skinniest, but they're trying. So why are we painting this perfect lifestyle just to make us feel good for a moment and someone else feel sad for a longer time? I just don't get it and I, I don't buy it. So I can't change the market landscape. It's a brilliant industry and we and and the marketeers out there do some really cool campaigns to build awareness around black lives matter mental health uh, women and diversity i love it and we do some really good work um I, i mean we as a community not me but we also compromise sometimes our values on what we showcase i think it is a really important point and you are correct in the a lot of the advertising industry for a long time has been focusing on perfection. I think there are also some brands that are coming out and doing really good things and showing relatable content and people are seeing more of the people that reflect them, which is really good. And what you were talking about, it kind of brings me on to a question that I'm really interested to know your thoughts on, and it's to do with personal branding. And I know that you are someone who has clearly built up a huge following. You've got about 40,000 followers on Twitter, about the same on LinkedIn. And you are someone who is able to share both the perfect and the imperfect sides of you, or rather the imperfect and the good things as well, because nobody's perfect, right? And I think it's a really good example, probably one of the reasons why you've grown your brand, because people really relate to it. But I wondered if you could kind of get into the mind of, say, a young person that is starting out and maybe they're thinking about growing their personal brand in order to kind of set themselves up for employees in the future, how honest do you think that they are able to be or do you think that there are some things that they might not be able to talk about whilst, say, they're searching for jobs or trying to appeal with potential employers? I pause a moment with this question because I have to be very careful to give the right advice. My point of view is I can be a bit cheeky and a bit bold online because I've built a bit of respect. 60% of the FTSE 100 CEOs follow me on social media. Well, the ones that are on, the ones that are not need to get on there. And I get have a lot of activity happening in the DMs uh, behind the scenes. So I've kind of been able to build that bit of respect. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying everyone respects me. Oh, you want to see some of the trolls I get as well. I've built that respect. And I feel comfortable to be vulnerable. Not so anyone goes, oh, here he's crying. Let's go and speak to him. But because it makes me feel good that if one person, regardless of age, even though my focus is young people, sees that and goes, I really love that and I'm going to make a difference. I'll give you an example. This year, 
I thought a lot of people have had really bad years financially. I've had a really good year financially, and I earn an extra £50,000 on top of uh, my public speaking stuff I do. So normally what I earn, I, an extra £50,000 on top of that. And I sat there and I was reflecting, what do I do? I don't deserve that money. I don't deserve that £50,000 extra. I don't believe I've worked hard enough to get it. So I decided that I would invest that £50,000 into funding 10 people, regardless their age, and fund them to have a therapist session for a year. And I have not had one person say to me, you're doing that for the likes or you're doing it because it's, it's a social media play. You know why? Because I've been authentic about mental health for three and a half years. Mental health is not a joke to me. And when I talk about mental health, people, even the trolls who say, oh, you've got fat in DMs, stop and say, let's not mess with him on the mental health because it's real. And I believe that if you're so passionate about building a personal brand, you have to understand what you stand for and your value before you get out of bed. So any advice to anyone building a personal brand is just to write very simple, not, not don't overdo it, on what is your values and what won't you compromise in. Secondly, everyone's too quick to jump. Oh, they said this, let me, let me go and tweet my local MP and be horrible. Remember that local MP yeah, they may not be delivering what they should be delivering. And, and don't get me wrong, there's many out that don't. Let's not shy away from that, whatever party you follow. But actually, inside, they're a human, and they have feelings as well. So actually, before you get involved with any debate, really listen on what the tweet or the message is about. Second, clarify what is being said and that you understand it. And only then should you respond. I've had it a number of occasions where I've had people three years ago say nasty things to me in a LinkedIn message. And then three years later message, not seeing the message above and ask for a job. <laughs> and, you, and I'm a big believer bad time, bad situation, they had something going on in their life. And I try and not re-spark what they said before, because I believe everyone deserves a second chance. However, there's others that don't think like that. And you have to be very careful. Because that person who you trolled or said something three years ago, now potentially could be the new boss to you in the place that you really want to work. And karma does come round. I think that is all such good advice and I really appreciate how honest you were as well because you know you didn't just say yeah anybody can tweet about whatever they want you went into the details of what is good and the times when you need to reflect before you post as well which I think is really important. I'm really curious to know about those trolls can you be nice to someone that sends you a comment that is just purely offensive and isn't based on anything fair if you were speaking to me three years ago my message to you right now would be completely different I believe 
that every minute that you spend on someone who's already a no, you're wasting a minute on speaking to someone who's already a yes. Sometimes the best thing you can say is nothing at all. And I've learned that. Before I used to grip myself and want to get on the keyboard and create a mini war with the Daily Mail reader that's messaging me. And I was like, no, breathe. They're going through something. They don't understand something. And actually, let's not make the day worse. So actually, take a minute to reflect and say, "Mm, okay, acknowledged. I will take this on board. I now laugh at anyone that sends me a nasty message. It does two things. It fires more energy in my belly, which actually makes me do my next task even better. Or it's free consultancy. Oh, you've got a spelling mistake on your last post. Brilliant. I can go and edit it. That's such a good outlook on it. And you're right, because sometimes feedback might be useful. And if it's not useful and it's just offensive, then just, you know, discard it. So I think that's great to hear. I'd love as well to talk to you a bit about some of your initiatives that I think are really important. So first of all, I'd like to congratulate you on your new website that you just launched because I think it's really eye-catching, it's really user-friendly, absolutely hits the audience. And I wondered, is it important that you are investing in tools like this in order to be connecting with young people? A lot of youth organisations do such a good job, better than the youth group at certain stuff. And I'm just so proud that there is youth organisations out there and lift people up to the moon. There is an however, there is a but. And the but is a lot of organisations, including ourselves until two weeks ago, were stuck in the 80s. They don't have the right infrastructure and the resource and we made a big decision in lockdown to pull away from all the programs we were running we've helped over 90,000 young people in the last two years in some shape or form get into a job digital skills meet a mentor get mental health support we took 10 steps back to go 20 steps forward and this is a project that kept me insane because I wanted to personally be the project manager on it, even though that I'm not a digital superstar. And yes, I've won digital leaders of the year and stuff, but really there's so many out there that are really smart with digital. And this project had to come from art and soul. This project had over a thousand young people involved and it was actually thousands and thousands of lines of code it was built by young people and actually 40 percent of the young people that built this website were unemployed before they started to work on this project so this project is art and soul it really is also and i share something in april i found out that i had skin cancer early stage skin cancer and I'm sharing this for one of the first times um, and I was lost I lost my duvet flip for a moment I didn't know what was happening I went into um, to go and get it checked and 
since then I've had two operations. I'm skin cancer clear. I have to go for regular checkups now. But I believe in that moment that actually I had to do something and change the business so I could leave a legacy if anything happened to anyone. And that is when I said, right, we're going to scale. We're going to really do this. And that project kept me going. And that's how much it means to me. So it's not just a website. And we've got some great feedback. It's And over 6,000 people want to get involved from corporate businesses now and want to really rally and support. But that website is personal. And when something's personal, whether it's a marketing campaign, whether it's a project, whatever it is you're working on, you give it your best. Absolutely. And also, I just want to say I'm very glad to hear that you are uh, recovered after your operations and you are feeling better now. And when you're facing something as serious as that, does it make you reflect on yourself and your experiences? And do you think about what you've achieved and if there's things that you still want to achieve and you've not had time to do? It puts everything into perspective and everyone deals with things in different ways. How I dealt with it was drink five Red Bulls a day, eat loads of cookies and thought, let's um, eat all the good food that I love as quick as I can. And I put 16 stone on. I've lost three and a half stone in the period. I'm changing my healthy ways. I'm doing 22,000 steps five times a week. And I just made really adjustable life changes that's made my mental health in a really good place. I've not had no mental health challenges for 120 days and I feel really good. I'm really focused, a little bit tired now and then, but I feel like there's something that's been relieved from me. Um, literally something has been t- taken out <laughs> literally with obviously the operations, but I feel like now I'm more aware. I'm even more kinder than being kind <laughs> with other people's situations. And it's made me more human if that makes sense. And I I look back and think, actually, when you put things in perspective, it's made me to respect time more. And we all go through things in life and we all need support and people to show up for us. It's really interesting you say that, actually, because my most recent guest on this podcast is a woman who runs an agency which is all about increasing inclusivity of people who are visibly different or who have disabilities. And one of the things that she said that really stuck with me is that she thinks the reason that her agency has been so successful this year is partly because of coronavirus and the fact that because so many people suddenly felt vulnerable it made them think about other people that are vulnerable and it made them be a bit kinder towards people and it just reminded me of what you just said because you're talking about experiencing something really difficult that probably I assume made you feel vulnerable and that your response to that is to really think about kindness even more. Wow she sounds like a real rock star and she's spot on the money there british culture doesn't embrace failure like silicon valley and america does however pandemic happens and the man of individuals at senior level junior level at all different walks of life that want to commit to giving back and supporting and actually are kinder. 
Now, don't get me wrong. Not everyone's kind because we still have to be realistic. But she is completely right. The world has got a lot kinder. Now, there's one call to action that I've got around kindness while we're on this subject. I believe the next fundamental action that could help everyone be more positive is the media companies, and I'm not talking about agencies, I'm talking about publishers, TV, the media, yeah, they should go and switch their music a little bit and start showing all the successes of Corona a bit more. It gives about 10 minutes airtime a day on the success. It doesn't give enough. Why don't they flip their narrative? They have a, a really big role to play in this bad media news. Now, if they actually said, OK, we're going to give positives to the nation for five minutes, it would change the mood swing. Because right now, all it's doing is digging a bigger and deeper hole, making people more paranoid, more isolated and more lonely than ever. And obviously, bad news makes good headlines. Yeah, yeah, we're over that. We're in 2021. People want good stuff now. And and that is my call to them. And in fact, I am in the process of calling out all the media. I'm going to make sure I speak to every bloody CEO who runs them to find out what's going on. So anyone who on here who wants to join me to rally Dan, I can't do it on my own because I'm only one person, but I can make sure we can get there. Let's go and talk to them. And let's make them get some positive news. I think that's actually such a good point because I have a number of friends that I can think of that have told me that they are just so overwhelmed by the news and they find themselves almost addicted to it and scrolling in the way that we used to say, oh, we're addicted to social media because it's like every time they go on, there's a new story, but the new story is just saying the same thing, right? And personally I've removed breaking news alerts on my phone because I found that none of them are breaking it's not new news it's the same news that we're repeating five times a day just to stress people out and I do understand that like you say there's a balance between producing content that people will click on however it's almost a bit of a lazy approach because I can think of lots of positive news that performs really well. I can think of, I think there's a, an Instagram account, I can't remember the exact name, but it has millions of likes and it just shares positive news stories. So there is an appetite for it. And I think to just say that negativity is the only way is quite lazy. While we're on the subject of positivity, I would love to speak to you about your Mentor Me programme because I think it's brilliant. And could you explain a little bit about what it is? Absolutely. So Mentor Me gives a young person the opportunity to meet someone virtually who they're inspired by or want to learn for from career to life lessons to go on a call, no judgment, safe space, to ask one burning question that they want to come over in their life. And in that period, we have generated over 20,000 mentoring sessions. We've just partnered with a global organization, which this year, 2021, will provide 125,000 mentors for us to give to young people. And this year, we want to support 100,000 in a mentoring session to move them forward in their career, to give them hope and the skills 
they need to go and get the opportunity. Now, I've announced 100,000, but if I can get to half a million and we can do it, we will. We've already got 125,000 mentors. We've already got a community of 1.7 million young people. I want to provide every single young person that comes to us a mentoring, a mentor. Let me give you an example. We're working with Capita PLC, fantastic organization, very underrated when it comes, they've got good souls, you know. And we worked with them on the Kickstart scheme, which is a government scheme to provide a young person the opportunity to kickstart their career, funded by the government. The government pays the salary for the first six months, any marketeers out there wanting to take a, on a young person. And um, we've had over 750 unemployed people apply for 60 vacancies. And what we've committed, no one would be rejected because everyone would be provided a mentor if they click the apply button. And that is kind, that is positivity, and that is helping the young person get this CV checked, interview tips, get what they need without any barriers to pay to access, a complete free program that I'm so proud of. And if anyone wants to be a mentor or wants to be mentored listening, please reach out to us and you'll see how cool it actually is. I think it's an incredible initiative. I think you should be very proud of yourselves because just the scale of it as well, from what you've described, you are supporting so many young people and it is really, really impactful. When you were talking, it just made me think a little bit about young people and they might all be facing different barriers. And it made me remember something that I read about yourself, about a goal that you worked on, which is your ability to do public speaking. And I understand when you were younger, you actually didn't speak until you were about six. Now, today, you've spoken at over 200 stages. You mentioned earlier getting paid for public speaking roles. How did you overcome that personal barrier and how did you become so good at what you do today public speaking was never on my agenda I was so nervous and until the age of six I used to just point at stuff because my mum wasn't always drunk some some people learn English some people learn Spanish growing up I thought I was taught how to slur your words so I actually inherited a bad habit of a drunk slurred individual my mum who was always drunk when I grew up so that's why I had speech therapy and I was in even to the age of 15 I didn't speak much and then when I went into my mission focus to wanting to help people I knew that it was part of the job and sometimes you just have to show up and do things that you don't like. You just do. And I had to show up and become a public speaker. And the worst thing happened on my first public speaking thing ever. And I went to get up on stage and I tripped. And it was such a nightmare. And it put me off course for a good three, four months. And then I started small. It doesn't matter how small you start, just start. And watch what the audience are nodding at and what they're not. 
and adjust and learn. You call yourself in public speaking beta and you want to get to alpha and accept as many free public speaking stuff as you want. Know what you speak about. And this is where I was really focused. I was asked to speak before Christmas about young people investing in Bitcoin. And I sat there and I think, oh, Bitcoin, that's interesting. <laughs> I know I know what it is, but what is it? <laughs> so I decided not to speak. So know what you speak on. Know what your value is. Don't try and speak about something that you actually don't care about and you have no interest in because you all get sussed out. Do as many public speaking as you can for free. Then know your value and put a charge rate on it. So I charge over £4,000 to speak for 20 minutes. I In February, I'm lucky enough to be asked and accepted to do a TED Talk. And I just believe that everyone starts somewhere. Everyone has their own style. And everyone's a public speaker because we all have stories to tell. Yeah. Definitely. I think that's also really inspirational for anyone to hear because I know it's something that a lot of people struggle with. So it's great to hear about it. I think we are quite close to finishing now. So I normally end on a few of the same questions. The first one is just, are there any brands or organisations or campaigns that you have admired in the past year? Just because I like to spread some positivity as well before we finish up. There is a number of great campaigns and one brand that has really, really taken my liking considering I'm anti-alcohol when it turns into a dependent because of my mum, yeah, is Brewdog and what they've done. They are so smart brilliant guys they've been on the edge of marketing whether you call it on the, for the right reasons or uh, intentional or whatever you cannot knock on what they're doing turning their brewers into antanasizers helping the nhs giving everyone a free beer creating a brew dog forest i do not like beer companies i do not drink beer but they are on the edge of marketing and I have loved it. So if you want inspiration, go to them. Cautionly, that I know they've recently picked up some bad press based on stealing some marketeers' ideas for interviews. Now I'm against that if that's true. And if that is true, I'm gonna whack a beer over their heads. But if it's <laughs> not, then they are on the edge of marketing and they're doing really well. I think you've chosen a really interesting brand there because you're right, they are very polarising and they've done a lot of things that are really, really good. And they always seem to incite this reaction. So a recent thing they did was they offered to use their unused BrewDog bars as vaccination centres. And they had both a positive reaction and a negative reaction. Some people felt they were jumping on the bad situation. Some people felt they were being really helpful. 
and I know what you're talking about, about the marketing ideas. I think actually their CEO has openly addressed all of the mistakes that he's made in the past. And it's something he quite regularly writes about. He will say, these are the things that we got wrong and we're sorry about them. So I think that's a pretty good attitude if you're running a company as far as it goes. The final thing that I want to talk to you about is what advice would you give to someone starting their career today, either in marketing or if you wanted to look back at, you know, yourself, say when you were 16, what would you have told yourself? I would say to myself, Jack, you're young, you're standing too close to the elephant and you're having grey moment. And what I mean by that is when you're too close to the elephant, all you can see is grey. And sometimes it's about stepping away from the elephant to see all the perspectives around you. Now, sometimes when we're too close to that elephant, we can't move away because we're stuck in mud and you're going to need someone to help you. And it's so important to go from having all the answers to all the questions in everything you do when you're starting out because there is people that want to help you don't expect to know everything your portfolio won't be the best it's going to be and it's going to get better don't try and be the expert but be that ambitious motivated individual that wants an opportunity and stop being too close to that elephant because there's a big world out there and there's people that want to help you and they will help you if you ask for the help. Thank you. I think that is really useful advice. If people want to find you, where would you like to direct them? Look, I literally say, don't find me. <laughs> literally, don't find me. Find a young, find a young person that wants to get into marketing that you can spend thirty minutes messaging instead. Don't message me. You don't need to. I don't need someone to come to me what I need is someone to pave the way and actually invest your time in writing a kind message to someone who needs love whatever age but most importantly reach out to a young person on LinkedIn next door neighbor pop over the fence and just say you know what I'm here I'm going to show up for you don't message me message someone who needs it I think that is a great note to end on. So thank you so much for joining me today. I have really appreciated both your time and your honesty. I feel like you've really opened up about a lot and people are really going to identify with it. So thank you. Oh, thanks for having me on and thanks for everyone listening to me, even if it is the Essex accent. You've just been listening to an episode of Mad Influence, which was recorded remotely with music by Joseph McDade. I just want to say thank you so much to everyone who has reached out with positive feedback about the episode so far. If you do get a chance, it would mean a lot if you could please rate and review the podcast as this helps other people to find it. New episodes are being released every Friday and I have some incredibly exciting guests coming up that I can't wait for you to hear. So if you subscribe, you'll be the first to listen to them. 